Hello, everyone. Uh, it's a, it really is a blessing to be here. It's like coming home for, for Gwen and I. Uh, we've uh, spent a lot of time with uh, dear folks of Seymour Mountain Bible Church, and, and so it's a privilege to, to be here uh, this morning. So thank you for your, your welcome. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that um, after having lived many years in, in Africa, uh, fairly often we, we are asked, well, uh, what's it like to live back in the U.S. Uh, after having lived in Africa? And, you know, that's, that's an interesting question because in, it's, a, it's a mixture of familiarity and foreignness. In other words, we, we grew up here in the, U, the U.S., uh, but spent most of our adult life uh, abroad, and then, then you come back. And, and it's uh, this sense of uh, familiarity, but yet uh, strangeness uh, as well. And so there have been two times that we've come back from uh, being overseas. And the first time we came back, we found ourselves uh, uh, in a situation where our kids had, had grown to university years, and we were going to shepherd them through those years. And we had lived in very remote settings in West Africa, and we felt it was important to come alongside them during this significant transition in their lives, and so we found ourselves in a uh, uh, in a suburb of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, I was leading a ministry called Culture Connections, where we would uh, engage with churches around the country uh, who were seeking to grow in their capacity to cross cultures in their community, and uh, so it was a it was a great outlet of, of ministry and a great time of learning. And when you other, and when others revile and persecute you. These are the ones who are blessed because these are the ones who have received the kingdom ethic. They have understood that this is a new way of being human, a new way that society is to be. And so it's in that context. He's speaking to those who are blessed in this way and he's saying, y'all, are salt of the earth. Because you're living this way, the way that I have ordained, you are the salt of the earth. So when it comes to uh, the, the who, the who is the kingdom community. It's, this, it's the kingdom people who are uh, living in the way that Jesus has come to show people. Uh, those who are blessed, those who are happy in the Lord, those who are meek, who, who mourn, who are peacemakers. So that is the who. Now the what. Well, it's, it's the witness of salt and light. Jesus is presenting this, that salt and light are a witness to the world. Now, this is what salt looked like in the village where we lived in West Africa. Uh, these, these salt cakes or these, uh, these cones were used uh, for their, primarily for their animals uh, as they would move animals around or have man, 
uh, animals, they, they needed salt. Salt is necessary for the animal. And so there's not a place where they can find it. And so they would have these cakes, these salt cakes, that they would use salt uh, and in bulk. And I imagine that in Palestine in the time of Jesus, it was probably like that. Uh, that is what they were thinking of, of the uses of the salt for their animals and specifically for also a preservative. But basically the, uh, the types of, of uses of salt are, uh, one is, is flavoring, that's the one we maybe know about most of all, uh, but also for health, not only for animals, but for us too. We can't live without sodium. Unfortunately, a lot of our foods have too much of it, uh, but our body needs it. Uh, it's an avenue of health. And then also, it provokes thirst. Uh, when we eat something salty, immediately you want to take a drink. Uh, but preservative is probably its most common use in Palestine in the time of Jesus, to preserve the fish or meat. And what it does is it, it, it stops decay. It stops the degeneration. It fulfills this role of, of being the, an active presence which prevents uh, degeneration, prevents decay from happening. And so in this context, salt is the active presence of God's people pub publicly countering the way of the world, living in contrast to the way of the world. But in order for salt to... In order for salt to be effective, it has to be used. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants to use us because if we are the kingdom people, those who are living his kingdom ethic, then the salt needs to be applied. The salt needs to be shaken out into the world. Our churches, our communities of, of Christians, we are to be shaken out of this collection, and into the world in order to be effective. It means serving people in a way that they see the contrast of what the kingdom community is to be, to show the world around us, show people around us that there's a different way of being. But as we all know, a lot of the times, the way in which we live our lives maybe isn't all that different from people around us, except maybe Sunday morning. But yet, the Lord is expecting us as his people to be that salt. I guess it was last year, the middle of last year, uh, Gwen was shopping at the Aldi store, and she, uh, she met this, this fellow named Daniel, uh, he was disabled in a wheelchair and, and, and homeless. And she got to talking to Daniel. And, and Daniel, he, he had some problems, some emotional issues, and he was on disability. And, and he was a little bit all over the place in, in his story. Uh, but he, he had this, this way of, of, of trusting people and being disappointed. And... He had found himself in Arkansas through a series of poor decisions 
and uh, he uh, was just having a hard time. And, and so Gwen actually had an opportunity to then talk to him many times over the phone after that. He went to another town, and he trusted some people, and they took advantage of him and actually prisoned him uh, for a time in, uh, in their trailer, and they were taking his disability checks, and he had to call the uh, 911 and say that I'm going to harm myself in order to have someone come and take him out of that situation. And then he fell in with some other people that were uh, just trying to take advantage of him. They wanted to be his guardians. Uh, and uh, again, had designs on this man's disability. And so in the course of this, this relationship, uh, one time... When was talking to one of the members of our small group, our church small group, and, and she was saying, I feel like that we need to, you know, kind of get involved, but I don't want to burden you all with, with that. And, and this fellow in our community group, he said, no, that's what we're here for. We're here to share this burden. And so Daniel became the burden of our whole small group. And, and over time, we were able to band together and, and send him, get him sent back to, to Arizona and back to a place of familiarity, back to where we had friends and had contacts and, and, and someone to take care of him. Uh, but in that, it was, it was, it's a picture of what it means to, to be salt, to, to show to Daniel, to witness to him, to say, you do not have to live this way. There is another way. And allow us to, to help you find that way. But then it comes to the light of the world. Y'all are the light of the world. Well, yes and no, but yes. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, look at this verse. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have... I, I can't read it, actually. Oh, see, I put it in red, and now you can't read it. Okay, I thought it would stand out. Okay, all right. So, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Uh, but then also in John 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So, which is it? Is Jesus the light, or are the kingdom people the light? Because he said that we are the light of the world. Well, it works out that uh, because he is not here, we are the light of the world now, because we are the light of Jesus. Paul continues that also in saying, therefore do not become, well, he's exhorting the Ephesians to not follow the way of the world. And so he says, therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. We are the light of the world as kingdom people, as those who are committed to the ethics of the kingdom. This is who we are. And we are the channels of the light. I think it was the third song that we sang this morning mentions that, about being, uh, that, that the light of Jesus shines through us. 
Uh, and, and that's who we are. But the properties of, <clears throat> of light are interesting. Uh, it brings growth, like sunlight, uh, but also it dispels darkness and uh, gives direction, like a lighthouse or, or warning, and then it clarifies. It, it makes uh, what is not clear, clear. Uh, it brings truth where there is error. And there's so much that we could go into these particular properties. Um, <clears throat> but specifically, uh, this passage warns us, because it, it talks about how that a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. We are to be visible. Or no one lights a lamp and then puts a basket over it. The light is supposed to be revealed so that all in the house will be able to see. So that leads us to a question. What are uh, our... Uh, this is the verse about uh, the baskets, to put a basket over it. So it leads to the question, what are our baskets? What is preventing us who are the light of the world, that that light would shine forth, it would shine out. <clears throat> I know that for me, personally, uh, one of my baskets is just, I can be all in my head and just miss people. Uh, I, I can be thinking about something, I'll, I'll wake up and I'll read something in the scripture, or a book I've read, or some thought comes, and it will just kind of spin in my, my mind, and I'll think about it. And, and I can move through a day, and I'll be around people, but it's, it's just like the, it's background scenery uh, in, in, in my life because I have this thing that's turning over in my head and something I'm thinking about. And I just, it's, it's an indifference which is uh, debilitating when it comes to relationships. Uh, that's a frustration that, that I have, just to be preoccupied with my own thoughts. But what are some other uh, baskets that we have? Is it unbelief? Or is it fear? Uh, or can it be selfishness? Or even ambition? Or being consumed with the segments of our lives? There are so many things, particular things that we can be attached to, whether it's social attachment or economic attachment, even political attachments. These things can be baskets which prevent the light of Christ shining as it is supposed to, to shine. That we are the life of Jesus in the, before the watching world. And yet, uh, these baskets and our lives cover over the light, and it does not shine. But these baskets are a direct contrast to what Jesus said of those who are blessed and the practices of those who are kingdom people in a kingdom community, following a kingdom way. And it's a stark contrast. But this is how we are to be as children of the light, the light of Jesus. 
The what is the witness of salt and light. The why is for the sake of the world and for the glory of God. First of all, for the, the sake of the world, because it, this is the passage, it's in red there and you can't see it, but it's about uh, how that the basket, because of a basket being there, the light can't shine throughout the whole house. But God wants his life, Jesus' life, to shine through us, his people, into the whole house, into the whole world from our family, to our neighborhood, to our workplaces, to our school, to the community, to the ends of the earth. That is the destination of the light of the life of Christ and the role of the kingdom people. And this theme really comes forth also in uh, John 17, where the the theme is, uh, we are in the world, but not of the world. And again, you can't see that so much, but we is the first thing, is we are a covenant community. Then, in the world, we are a companion community. And in, but not of the world, a contrast community. So in this theme, we are in the world, but not of the world. We are a covenant community, we're a companion community, as well as a contrast community. And by that, uh, what I mean is a, a covenant community is that we are bound together in Christ. If we belong to Jesus, then we belong to those who belong to Jesus. We are to love one another always, everywhere. That's who we are as the covenant people of the kingdom. We belong to all others. But also we are a companion community sharing the life with our human neighbors, all of whom are images, image bearers of God. We are to love them as much as we love ourselves. We do love ourselves. We think about all the, the complications of our lives and all the things that are going on and the, uh, the issues that we're, we're dealing with and the hopes that we have and the dreams and, and all of these things, we're, we are often filled with about us. But yet everyone we meet is the same way. The whole story of issues and things and realities. And yet, we don't enter into that because of these baskets. We don't let the light shine. But yet, people in the course of our lives are opportunities to engage. Then also, we are a contrast community. Local congregations, Local congregations everywhere are kingdom communities of kingdom people designed to show the entire world that there is another way of being human. That's who we are as salt of the earth, as the light of the world. It's about being Christ-like. We readily realize that Christ came to show us what God is like. 
He's a representation of the Father. And we may or may not realize it, but he also came to show us what full, true humanity is. He's the perfect human. The second Adam. The picture of all that God intended for humanity to be. The perfect human. Then, by logical sequence, we, the people of God, are to be the picture of perfect human community. He is making new, a new humanity in his image because he is human for all eternity. Right now he is with the Father as a human being. And generally, though, I think that when we think about the life of a disciple and what it means to be Christ-like, we tend to think of it more in the sense of oh, we need to become more godly. Okay, and, and, and that's true, to be more like how God is. But yet we are human. We are human beings on this earth and in this world. And I think that often we've <clears throat> never really considered that to become more like Christ is to become more fully human, more completely human, more truly human, like Jesus, the perfect human. And that's really what we're called to be, not to be some super spiritual person that's off in the clouds, yet engaged in human life as companions in this world with fellow image bearers of God but also a contrast of being salt, being light in the midst of darkness. But as we also go along, not just for the sake of the world, but also for the glory of God, as the passage brings out of how that, uh, when the light shines. <clears throat> but it talks about often in this passage about the good works and about how uh, the people will see good works, and then glorify the Father. But often it's presented, in, it's, we think of it in the sense that the light is the good works. And that the good works then will bring glory. However, I would submit that if God does not receive glory, uh, it's because the source of the light was not revealed. The only time that God receives glory through our good works is when the source of the light of those good works is revealed. Uh, Jesus is the light, not our good works. Without a witness that Jesus is the source of the light, then God receives no glory. It's no different uh, than like doctors without borders who do a great noble work in perilous places. But if we as believers think that our, just our good works alone are going to bring glory to God. Without the testimony of the witness of salt and light, then it doesn't take place. So how will then the world know about the light of Jesus? Well, it's through living and telling his story. <clears throat> Let the scripture, the passage... Uh, the passage says, let your light shine. Let y'all's light shine. It's a permissive 
imperative that continues on. It's the light is there. Let it shine. Take the basket off. Let it shine. Uh, and as it shines, uh, so that people, others may see the good works and then bring glory to the Father. So it works actually like this. Okay, the life of Jesus, uh, the light that shines out of the darkness, and it shines through good works, and it's living and telling. That's in the red there. You can't read too well. Uh, leads to God's glory. But if, if, if the living and the telling are not there, then it leads to our glory. When Doctors Without Borders does a great and marvelous work, who gets the glory? the doctors without borders. But the difference is that when we are stirred up to, for love and good works, like it said in the passage that uh, Kirk read earlier, uh, when we're stirred up to love and good works, these are the things that Jesus has, uh, in Ephesians it says that he has created beforehand that we would walk in them. Uh, these things we must, that there must be a living and telling aspect of that. Living the life of Jesus and telling about his story and his reign. Uh, this, this is true also in, in, uh, in Acts. Um, when Peter, when he healed the lame man, um, there's this passage uh, about when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you not stare? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness that we had made this man walk? Uh, and then later on he said, "But you are the ones who killed the author of life. Uh, but it was by the power of can't read it there, but by the power of God that uh, who raised Jesus from the dead. So it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that raised up this lame man to walk, and." And this is an example of, of living and telling. And there are countless stories in the New Testament of the living and the telling. And this is our role as the life of, of Christ lives through us and shines through us. You know, earlier I was telling the story about Joe and Anne in our former neighborhood and that Anne had left. The marriage was on the rocks. He was alone in this house, and he was stewing in his difficulties. But we came alongside Joe, and we talked to him, and we counseled him. We spent time with him. We took meals to him. We had him over at our house. And the light of Jesus began to work in Joe's life. And we saw the transforming power of the gospel as well. And Joe and Ann got back together. And some years later, after we had, all of us had left that particular neighborhood, Ann wrote this. Thank you, Gwen and Ken, for always being there for, for those of us with imperfections and still praying and believing in us and others. I don't know where our lives would be without you. You might think we ignored your love and prayers and long talks but without you and your love and prayers, things would be so much different. God bless you. I don't know where my husband and I would be without the two of you. 
You not only saved my husband, but you also saved a marriage and a family. We love and thank you more than you will ever know. But once again, that was an opportunity to turn it back to God and say, okay, yes, yes, we had a role, but, you know, Anne and, and Joe, we're just a channel. God is the one that did this work in Joe's life and in your life and brought you to a much better place, a family that is together now to this day. Being salt and light, it's about being the visible, active presence of God himself in the world. That's what it means to be salt and light. Uh, the verse says, in the same way, it's an opportunity to be bold, to take a chance. And it reminds me of, of a story of a church in Charlotte, North Carolina. We were working with them, and, and they had this vision of wanting to uh, engage in their really diverse neighborhood. And so we were helping them to, uh, to think through what are the ways in which they could really be able to engage and as salt be shaken out of the church and into the community. And they came up with this idea that they would start a program called Bless This Home. And so what they did was, uh, they were, there were a lot of neighborhoods around them, and, and so this church, Good Shepherd Church, they, uh, they got real estate uh, listing information, and they drew a a radius, two-mile radius around their church. And they were able to find out from this real estate data that uh, who was new in that two-mile radius. And so then they sent out welcome teams, diverse teams of two or three, and they would go with a little basket. And they would, they would knock on the door, ring the doorbell, and say to the people that were there, we are from a local church in your neighborhood. And we have learned through this real estate data that you are new here. And we just want to welcome you into the neighborhood. But we also want to pray for you and for your home. May we bless your home. And they did. They prayed. Very rarely were they refused to, uh, an opportunity to pray for a family and for a home. And deep in the basket, the welcome basket, was a, an indication that you know, this was Good Shepherd Church. But they didn't make a big deal about that. They wanted the people to say, you are welcome here in our neighborhood. More than anything else, there's other things that they did, but more than anything else that brought vibrancy and growth and, and aliveness to Good Shepherd Church was bless this home. People came, and they, they heard the gospel. They heard the story of Jesus. And they were blessed because these people took a chance and put themselves out there as a community, as a church. So to close this up again, I apologize for the red, uh, but being salt and light for the sake of the world 
is about God's kingdom community, God's people, living and telling his story about his reign for his glory. That's what it means to be salt and to be light. May God lead us to identify and throw off the baskets that are preventing our lives from shining forth. For we are the, with, we are the image of God before the watching world. Salt and light. May God help us. Amen.